BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, the bodies of several missing women turn up on the same property outside of Houston. Are their deaths connected to a string of local disappearances spanning decades? We'll discuss the Netflix crime series, Crime Scene, the Texas Killing Fields. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. And I want to thank everybody out there who reached out concerned about my dental pain over the past couple of days. How are you feeling? Uh, the swelling has gone down. I feel a whole lot better. <laughs> but thank you, everybody. Yeah. You, you get like a lot of like love out there from the world? Absolutely. No, you didn't, because we just recorded that podcast. Up, Rebecca. <laughs> why, why you got to pull the, the, the curtain back so much? Yeah, we recorded. People are like, you just spent 15 minutes talking about the dentist the last episode. Yes. Thankfully, we're getting back to it again. Yes. That's right. <laughs> right off the bat. We have a new topic. Crime writers on. Dental work. Yes. Yeah. And we record our podcast on the same <laughs> night, so we just pretend. People are, people are still trying to get over that Lara has her own nitrous oxide mask. People trying to get over that. I had two for a while because they had two separate ma- different machines, and, and it depended which, which room Dude, I was in when I went to the fact, parties the fact have at Lara's that Lara's house. nitrous mask <laughs> is like overtaking Lara's divorce on our like social media feeds <laughs> is the most incredible thing that's ever happened. Well, also, both things put her to sleep. <laughs> also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Piper Green series of of cozy Exeter Mysteries, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura Bricker. Hello, Rebecca. And speaking of cozy mysteries and books and my fabulous local bookstore, Water Street Bookstore, I have to say, this is a quaint AF in Exeter moment. I got a message from Steph, the manager, and she's like, hey, somebody left you a package down here. Oh, all right. And I was like, oh, I know what it is. What's in the box? It's my new holiday decorations it's snoop on the stoop with martha oh it's like the elf on the shelf but it's actually snoop and martha oh my god what does it smell like (laughs) well they both have little like like little uh marijuana leaf necklaces on gold necklaces (laughs) and then when i was trying to get them to sit up on the mantle they were like falling like couldn't stay up so then snoop just like fell over yeah i bet i was like my son is here i was like 
I said, hey, Will. I said, look at Snoop, man. I said, don't do drugs. He goes, mom, Snoop would never fall over like that. Wow. (laughs) Wow. You know, Snoop was also in Pitch Perfect, too, by the way. So I got got stuck the other day at home, like doing some stupid housework shit while everybody was out. And you know how sometimes you turn on the TV and there's just something on and like you get start you start watching it and then you're like doing something and you get trapped watching it. Next no, the miscongeniality marathon. Yes, Damn I, it. I ended up watching the entire movie Pitch Perfect two, which I did not plan to watch. And there were so many interesting things about it. One of which is the villain in Pitch Perfect two is played by Katrine from Borgen playing a German oh. acapella star. We are a sound oh. collective. <laughs> yes. Playing the lead singer of a scary German acapella group. Because Americans are like Danish, Danish German, German same sounds thing. the same yes. yeah, And Snoop Dogg is also in Pitch Perfect 2 uh, in the sound recording booth at the place where What's-Her-Face is doing her internship. Oh, yeah. It is a like complete cornucopia of like... Guest stars. It's unbelievable. Did you know Toby can do the thing with the cups? Yeah. Where he does the oh, yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, he's good at it. He's all about he's that. He's got his TikTok going. <laughs> <laughs> I want Toby to sing. Can you do that? Um, the one they were doing when they were doing the seafaring ones. Remember what were those ones? Shanties. Shanties. <laughs> yeah, I want Toby to take that up. Yes. There once was an am they They were doing <laughs> sea shanties in Pitch Perfect 2? No, that, that was no. pre sea no, shanty. No, on the TikTok. That was pre sea <laughs> shanty. Oh, on t- oh. <laughs> and finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hi, Rebecca. Toby, how is your head healing? We heard all about that injury in the last after show. How are you feeling? Uh, by the time this... <laughs> This episode drops hopefully pretty good. You mean in the future? Better than my gums. <laughs> yeah. Toby, help us uphold the like the illusion of the passage of time just for a moment, please. Oh, now you're yeah. gonna talk about that? Come on. Yeah. Now Toby's got it's it gives him a lot of character, the scar that he now has where he once had stitches on his face. Have you guys had conversations in your house about your future sexiness because of the scar? It has not come up. Ah, you think Deborah will find him sexier because he has. A, a, oh, okay. Conversations in our house are very different than conversations in our house. I, I, I have scars all over my neck. It hasn't done anything for me. Yeah. The discourse in their house is very different than the discourse in ours. I, I think the theory behind it is probably better than the actuality of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the moment someone in our house gets hurt, we immediately jump to how badass slash sexy are you going to look in the future? Like a few weeks ago, I had a mishap with one of our dogs and I ended up with this Uh scar on my lip. And like, I was really upset about it. But then an hour later, I was like, am I going to be sort of badass in a couple of weeks? And Kevin was like, ah, hundred percent, hundred percent. And that was the only thing that got me. I was just through. trying to keep you yeah. calm. <laughs> you should see my big toenail on my right foot. It's all black. Oh, no. oh that's pretty e. sexy. Oh, wow. Can I just uh, do one quick shout out on the show, Kevin? Of course you can. It's your show. I think I solved the mystery of a mysterious package that arrived in the mail a few weeks ago. Okay. I want to thank a listener. With the initials A period, B period for that mysterious package. I think you might know who you are. And I want to tell you, I only figured it out this week. Reach out to me if you're the one who sent me that mysterious package. What was in the package? A wallet. 
Ah, the yes. wallet, not the wallet you lost oh, in no. uh, Columbus. Yeah. I received a wallet in the mail. I could not figure out who to send it to me. I think I p- figured it out just this week through a series of context clues and beautiful mind like numbers coming <laughs> through the air. And if that was you, A period, B period. Shoot me a note, and I want to thank you on the podcast for that. So I'm pretty sure A period, B period has also sent me a mysterious package, so I think you are correct. Okay. Mm. All right. Let's just leave it there. All right. So, Kevin, before we start the podcast, can we talk about what's coming up on next week's show? Yeah. On Monday, we're going to be talking about the new podcast from the CBC. It's called Run, Hide, Repeat. All right. That sounds fun. I believe it's based on the book by the, of the same name. Does that matter? No, I'm just trying to give a little something extra. <laughs> okay, cool. Do we have to read the book before we listen to the thing? No, you don't have to read the book. <laughs> listen to the podcast. Okay. Well, and I think... not the audio book. I don't know if there's an audio book. I'm just trying to like not make this complicated. Well, that's good because I'm in the middle of that Anthony Horowitz book right now, so I don't have time for that. All right. Let's go ahead and start this show's topic. I'm going to drop that first clip right now. What do you think, Kevin? Do it. Let's get that done. Leading off. And their, their kid was outside playing in the yard, and their dog ran off into the woods. And a little while later, it came back and it had something round in its mouth and they thought it had found a ball out there. So they went out to investigate. In the dog's mouth was a human skull. Between 1986 and 1991, the remains of four missing women were discovered in the same field in League City, Texas. Authorities couldn't rule out the deaths were connected to a string of 30 murders outside of Houston since the 1970s. They were all teenagers along I-45 who mysteriously disappear suddenly, either alone or in pairs. In the past six months, seven teenage girls and young women aged 13 to 21 have been found murdered in the vicinity of Houston, Texas. Then another string of disappearances began in the mid-90s. Were all of these crimes linked in some way? And what is their connection to that secluded plot of land on Calder Road? Why do you think so many people are looking I don't give a damn. I I mean, I got everything I need to prove that I'm innocent. Nothing links me to anything. Season three of Crime Scene, the Texas Killing Fields, looks at the long history of murder along the Interstate 45 corridor. The Netflix series introduces us to those closely affected by the unsolved crimes and zeroes in on the main suspects. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about plot points from Crime Scene, the Texas Killing Fields. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. One further note, I am the host of the Netflix podcast, You Can't Make This Up, but that has not influenced my review of this documentary. So, Toby, your friend Skip Hollingsworth makes an appearance in this documentary. He makes many appearances. Yes, there's actually a lot of journalists in this documentary. But Skip apparently covered this story for a really long time because it was a very, very long-term story in this community in Texas, spanning several decades. What do you think about his appearance here and the fact that there was so much to cover here? I mean, obviously, multiple killers over multiple decades. Yeah, well, I like seeing him. You know, he's a legendary crime writer for uh, Texas Monthly Magazine. Uh, I've read a lot of his stuff, which I've liked a lot. The League City Police Department writes an affidavit that goes public that Robert Abel, the NASA scientist, 
could actually be a sexual serial killer who had done these killings to these four young women in the killing fields next to his trail ride business. So, yeah, I mean, he's good at sort of the voice that kind of ties everything together, contextualizes things. Yeah, he along with Lisa Olson, Lisa Olson sort of addresses things a little more specifically, I think. And she's not as much of sort of the overview. Yeah, I mean, this is a for a short series. It covers a lot of terrain. In some ways, I think it, it benefits from being short. It moves along pretty quickly. So, yeah, it was, it was good to see him. And I, and I think they were wise to have journalists involved because some of the other stuff that you get occasionally had me scratching my head. Yeah. Well, they also had Catherine Casey, who's like the grand dame of the Texas true crime book writing world. Like she's talk about her because I actually looked her up afterwards. She actually wrote a book about this case. But I know that, you know, a little more about her. Yeah, no, she's a name like when I was getting into and I was interested in getting into true crime book writing and you pull up like who are people that have been writing true crime books for a long time and who are the people that are considered like the top of the genre. And, you know, you've got like Anne Rule and then you've got Catherine Casey. I mean, she's been writing about crime and murder and writing books about Texas for a long time. So what do you think happened here? I really don't care. I walked out of there believing he had killed both of them. But I didn't have anything on my tape recorder that proved it. She's somebody that has quite a lot of history there, but also quite a lot of experience. And I think, you know, we always joke about like Florida man, but like Texas has some freaking wacky Crimes. I mean, we have like the cheerleader mom murder. Like there's all sorts of crazy crime in Texas. And if there has been a crazy crime in Texas, she has written the book about it. So I thought she was really interesting to see in person and to hear from her. And at one point, I think we also heard some of the recordings from when she was doing some interviews with one of the suspects um, for one of her books, which I thought was really interesting. I think we share an agent, actually. Really? Yeah. I think she gave us a blurb or we gave her a blurb. Or she, she was not an unfamiliar I name. I had yeah. no idea. I had I didn't recognize her. I'd never heard of her. She, in the documentary, she just said that she passed a billboard with the crime and I knew that she wrote a book. I was much more like fascinated by the investigative reporters. I think there were so many journalists in this who were so like heavyweights. So, Kevin, we talked about, you know, crimes in the Cecil Hotel, which happened in this one building. Mm-hmm. The crime scene here is actually like this like, stretch of... Of the state, like near Houston. And when right. Texas is huge, but this one stretch, I 45, we're talking about 30 women and girls missing and over this like, you know, two decade period. Obviously, we have multiple killers at play, but the setting does matter, right? Because we have this sort of transient nature of the I 45 corridor it with does, yeah. NASA and the oil fields and all of this development happening. But the Calder Road situation in particular. The fact that these four bodies were found over the span of time and that the second killer appears in the 90s right there, which is not the same as the first killer we find because the second killer is identified and he was in prison when the first killings happened. Wild that so many killers were active in this tiny little space. What do you think about this? To get to the first part of your question here about crime scene. Remember, this is season three. And so, yeah, each one focuses on a certain crime scene. And, and this is very different. While we talk about the Texas Killing Fields, which is this little pastoral piece of land. 25 acres. 25 yeah. acres next to a horse riding 
thingy. I don't know. But that to tie it in with this I-45 corridor and all now it's a different decade, but it's all up and down this one little stretcher, similar victims. It's not nearly as prevalent as the indigenous deaths and missing and murdered in that part of the country and with indigenous victims. But it is sort of the same where you have an area where there's just a lot of unsolved murders with similar victims. And it's impossible to know who and how many different killers were involved in all those uh, 70s crimes. But it was really kind of enlightening about in an era long before cell phones and things like this, that you could just sort of disappear, right? You could pack up and say, fuck you to your family. And they might not ever see you again. Not because you fell into a black hole, but just because I'm going to go somewhere else in the country. So you might assume that if you don't hear from somebody, it's not because they were taken and, and killed somewhere in Texas. It was because they just didn't want to be found. Yeah, but along those lines, Laura Smither is was 12. She goes missing, oh, yeah, yeah. and she's from an affluent community. And well, I kind of feel like we're looking at three different things here. We're yeah. definitely looking at the 1980s where we have one body found there, and then a, a while later, here comes another body. And ended up being four in that field. Ended up being yeah. four over that five-year span. Uh, not like Bear Brook where it had just been there and they just found it. They, somebody kept going and dropping stuff off. You've got these things in the 90s that they're going to tie to William Reese, like these kind of carjacking kind of, and then there's the kidnapping of the little girl and then all this stuff from the 70s. And sort of one unifying theory posed by the talking heads is that as things started to expand in Houston with the oil refineries with the uh, Johnson Space Center that it started drawing a and, you know, you sort of say this uh, with a deep voice like a bad element. You know, the people would just come from wherever transient workers who didn't share our values or whatever the hell that, you know, just was outsiders. Yeah. Came in. And that's why. That's why bad things happened. It wasn't because of us. It was because of outsiders. But they weren't outsiders, really. It was Not, well, just I like, mean, how far outside? They were know? just bad shit happening. Bad, yeah, exactly. yeah. So, Laura, I have a question for you because you mentioned in your notes Texas EquiSearch, which was founded by Tim Miller, who was the father of one of the 80s victims, Laura Miller. What did you know about that organization before you watched this documentary? Well, I've I've heard of this organization and I've kind of like just in different cases been like, oh, isn't that interesting? They're using horses and they're out searching and they're helping searching with horses. So it's kind of something when I've when I've seen different crimes in the news and I've been like, oh, how interesting horses are involved. So I thought it was really interesting to know the why behind how Texas EquiSearch was founded. It kind of reminded me, you know, it was a similar to like how John Walsh becomes like America's most wanted when his son goes missing. And it's a similar thing where Tim Miller founds this search and rescue organization to help find missing people. So it's it was kind of like that same sort of, okay, this horrible tragedy has happened to me, but how am I then going to help other people who might be in the same situation? And, you know, I really found his story compelling because we see a father who is just absolutely heartbroken, just completely at some points tunnel visioned, you know, especially when he hones in on like this Robert Abel guy. But then in the last episode where we hear Catherine Casey talking about, you know, when she goes out and he is still out there, like down in the trenches, literally helping out with searches where he's like having trouble walking and he's older and he's getting up in years, but he's still out there. You're seeing like his dedication to 
continuing what he started. So I, I thought that was really interesting because I, I didn't know. I mean, it was one of those things I'm like, oh, cool. Horses are involved and they're using it in, in crimes. But to hear the backstory and then to see firsthand what he was doing was something I was I was really interested in. So, Kevin, we're going to get back to our conversation in just a second, mm. but we need to take a quick break for our business section. Oh, all right. right. To the ba-da, ba-da. Yeah, so what do we have right. going on our Patreon right now? Well, on our Patreon, we have, and I got to go look this up because I wasn't expecting you to just all of a sudden break into the business That's section. That's my job. That is your job. You showed me the clock of how far are we into the podcast yeah, and we're supposed go. to do that. All right, here's my note. Okay, right now in, in our Patreon... Just go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. Sign up. You can hear the latest episode of Married with Podcast. So romantic. So romantic. Uh, we have a question. Kevin and I get married every week. We tape the podcast. There's <laughs> <laughs> a minister in the room handing out How rings. Exciting. No, have, it's we, not that. Yeah. We have a listener, newly divorced, getting on the apps, and she realizes I do not have game. Neither do we. She's, she's like, like, how she's, do I make like, the small talk? I'm yeah. like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so say something about the, uh, the photo, like, hey, nice tiger, or whatever. <laughs> I really like that book in the background. I read it too. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. A serious question. Yeah, that sounds like that. That's that's great For advice. For real. Like, Toby, what would you do? Like, if you like suddenly got on the apps, would you have any fucking idea what to do? Uh, I wouldn't say, oh, I see that book in the background. I read it too. Exactly. Not my, <laughs> Me my neither. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Me neither. Um, yeah, I don't know. Haven't given it much thought. Hmm. I have, but I still don't know what Wait, to do. Wait, what do you mean you giving it some well, thought? Well, because, you know, you sort of wonder. I will not be going on the apps. They just freak me out. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Well, I think you will. I'm going to get you on there. So, Kevin, Once what else? everybody finds out you're a resident cat lady, they're going to be running to you. <laughs> you're going to need two vaginas. Four. Four, yes. Uh, speaking of, we have the latest Leave it to Bricker. Laura tells us about her new adventure. As you know, she's a newly single, so that means she needs furniture. Yes. And so she goes with her friends. I'm married and I need furniture. Well, That's I not know. a single person thing. <laughs> you have, not only do you have adventures with margaritas and stuff, you are trapped, literally. You're held captive. By what? Yes. By something that was goosing my rear end. Um, it was a massage chair. <laughs> Don't leave people hanging. <laughs> she got caught. I, in a I tried chair. a massage chair that was like a ride at Universal, and I was like, literally, once you put the program on, like, there's no getting out. <laughs> so uh, it was it was kind of entertaining. Also, want to let folks know that uh, yesterday dropped our latest episode of These Are Their Stories. This is the show from our uh, our live show from uh, earlier in the month where Rebecca and I and Nick Capodice and Hannah McCarthy from the Civics 101 podcast Yay. look at the SVU episode, Inconceivable. Had a great crowd. Uh, you guys were there. Did you think it was uh, worth the $25 uh, you had to pay to get in? Wait, we didn't, we didn't give them free tickets? Well, did I did I have, pay? I, no, I, I paid. <laughs> I had come. I didn't know you were coming. I would Yeah, have, it was good. Yeah, okay. I had a great time. Yeah, Kevin did this like 45-minute uh, thing on the history and culture of law and order in all its various uh, forms and flavors, which was super interesting. Having never watched the show, I now feel like I understand a little bit more about what you do. Mm. Oh, it was like my Dick Wolf TED Talk, yeah. It was pretty fancy, I have to say, Kevin. Like, you did a lot of work to get all of your... Uh, technical elements in place with all of the videos and the graphics. And I was like, at one point I said to Toby, like, I can't believe, like, Kevin's been talking this whole time with 
Like, no notes. This is amazing. It was I couldn't good. believe it either. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it was more entertaining than than we it ought to have sound. Been. <laughs> yeah, right. no, it was good. It was good. I had new pants. <laughs> I we noticed those. They were like sort of like yeah. the snakeskin. That's this right. was like a Jim Morrison look going on. Correct. Yep. That was the only work I did. Kevin did all of the rest of the work. All right. So Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Nicole Kloster and Karen Fontaine. Bless you. Bless you guys. Thank you so much, Lara and Toby, for coming to our live show. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, everybody, for listening to our business section, supporting us on Patreon, and for listening to this podcast, for suffering through all we do all the time. We love you all, and uh, we can't thank you enough for being fans of all of our shows. And thus ends, Kevin. Oh, yeah, thus ends the, the business, business section. section. I pay the music out Get right rid of that now. music. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. So, Toby, before the business section, we were talking about Tim Miller. And uh, one thing we need to talk about is his treatment of his neighbor, Robert Abel, who was profiled by the FBI. The FBI developed this profile and he fit it perfectly. So for a long time, he was considered a lead suspect in the murders of these bodies that were found in the killing fields, including that of Tim Miller's daughter, Laura. And Tim tormented him for years and years before later realizing that that hadn't been a good idea. And he decided he was going to torment Abel. Then he would call him, leave voicemails. I had a person that was going to come out there and take you to Las Vegas and beat your ass all the way up there and kill you. This was wild. Uh, What did you think of this entire aspect of the documentary and of what happened to Robert Abel? Um, Yeah, so this was pretty wild for a bunch of different reasons, one of which is Tim Miller, as much as there's sort of like a hero in this show, it's, it's Tim Miller. but. You know, it's interesting because we really see him working on like two or three different missing people. Right. And one of them, he just gets completely wrong and hassles this guy for an extended period of time. And it's not just like prank calls and stuff. It's like, I'm going to bring some guys over to your place and we're going to kick the shit out of you. And, uh, you know, just making these threats and stuff. So I don't know. I, I was just kind of like after that, I was like, my God. 
like, is this something that happens frequently where he's just like goes completely off on some wrong tangent? That seems like it'd be kind of important to know. Anyway, like, so this is the way profiling should probably not be used, right? Is like you get a profile together and you'd be like, oh, that sounds just like this dude. Correct. And then you'd name that guy. And then it's just like, is there like any evidence do you have of any kind? Or is it just like that guy is a white guy who's middle-aged, who lives near the place and he has trouble with women, which I think was kind of like what they came up with. So I that that whole thing was tragic. And then it's kind of like, well, you know, we made up, we cried, we forgave each other. And then the guy Abel like pauses his golf cart on the train tracks and gets hit by a train. They're like, well, we don't know if it was suicide. Uh, you know, she's just another victim of this whole thing. It's like, come on, man. Like, are you not self-reflective to see that, like, you played a part in this? Like, I'm not going to blame it on you. But his whole thing was everybody was always going to look at him as being a serial killer regardless. And so all this kind of played into it. And it just, it, it was weird. Like, it didn't seem like that was examined very closely. And I, I just, there was some weird, like, sort of, FBI and law enforcement kind of things that came up in there. At one point, I think the FBI agent says that they were dealing with a brilliant but depraved serial killer. And I was like, what What makes this seem brilliant? Like you're spending this right. entire time talking about how hard it would be to catch somebody who's a serial killer because it's just so easy to like drive off the highway and you can just dump a body anywhere. I mean, it doesn't seem like that's brilliant at all. It just seems like he happens to be in a place where there's a combination of easy places to dump bodies and police indifference is like right. the other thing that seems to be a big factor. Well, certainly, you know why they have to be brilliant, Toby, is because you don't want to admit that a dumb criminal's smarter than yeah, you. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know? It would that's have to be point. a brilliant criminal. Yeah. But certainly, both of the killers we made in this documentary are super dumb, and they yeah. Are yeah. both they were both serial killers, right? And this is you know, Kevin and I discuss this quick collegially all the time at home, and often disagree. I have huge issues with profiling as a as an investigative tool and the way that it's employed in the field retroactively often to talk about crimes. Um, but this able thing is bananas, right, Kevin? Oh, yeah, I agree. I mean, and I like what Toby's saying as far as like if there is a hero here, certainly Tim Miller is sort of this fascinating study because he is able to channel his grief into something positive, And that is the horse search and rescue uh, organization but yeah his fixation on robert abel just brings him to a very dark place and doesn't put him in a good light and you know despite having been you know these guys reconciled and they hugged it out bitch that it was still a little too tidy to say that abel was like well he's just another victim of this case it's like tim miller had more to do with abel's death than the serial killer did you know yeah yeah well, we do have a couple of identified killers here, and one of them is uh, Clyde Hedrick. And Clyde Hedrick is very, you know, likely connected to multiple killings, but he's certainly connected to the abuse of Marla, who we hear from multiple times in the documentary, and she becomes a real compelling figure here. Laura, what did you think of Marla's role in this documentary? I thought that this was one of the most compelling parts of the documentary for me. And it really started to pick up for me in that third episode where we hear more from her about her specific abuse and memories of that abuse and how it came up. And, 
you know, how she like woke up in the morning and had to immediately go to the bathroom and knew something had happened to her. And then when she meets Tim and goes out to the area of the killing fields, that was another part that was extremely emotional and it had a lot of impact, you know, as a viewer watching that because it was just so authentic and raw and it was unfiltered. It was, it was really her. Like I came away from that feeling like, okay, that guy, first of all, I, and I don't want to stereotype, but Clyde, could he look anymore like a serial yeah. killer? Yeah. Like, I'm like, sorry. He's like, I lost half my jaw. I'm like, yeah, you can say you lost half your jaw, but you look like a serial killer. But he looked like you know, a serial that, killer before. You yeah. <laughs> looked like one before Clyde. Um, By the way, can we just say when the woman threw herself out of the car and had the police yes. draw the sketch of the guy in the car. Didn't the sketch look just also like Clyde Hedrick, even though it was William Reese? Like it was like the mm-hmm. two dudes looked exactly the same with their like weird faces and their cowboy hats. I'm like, oh, that's Hedrick. No, whole other guy. Whole other guy. Serial killer uh, face. Like that should be like a new description for somebody. Serial killer face. I'm sorry. Toby, you don't have a serial killer face right now. Well, but. he kind of does stitches? with that scar situation. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I th- I just think, you know, the part with Marla, there was a lot of this documentary that to me felt very similar to a lot of sort of the mass market produced documentaries that you see on different channels. And I think when we got to that third episode and we started hearing from her, that to me felt like, OK, this is the part that is actually a powerful part of this this documentary. So I have a question for you, Toby, that I actually asked the director about when I interviewed her for this for the Netflix podcast. And she frankly had questions about it, too. So, you know, I'm not alone in having like concerns about it. There's sort of a slippery slope here where when Clyde gets out of prison on this like technicality, which is like kind of shocking because, as we know, Texas is not known for its like lenient criminal justice system, right? Um, And it is, you know, everyone's really upset about it because we know that he killed Ellen Beeson and he's likely connected to these other murders. All these people across the street from where he's being held after he gets out of prison do this press conference. And Marla talks about her abuse that she suffered at his hands. And I'm like, I get it. She's very upset. But then there's this press conference and, you know, Tim's there, other people are talking about there, and they're talking about crimes that he was not convicted of doing. I was talking to the public and I was talking to Clyde. Just because you were not convicted of other crimes does not mean you did not commit them. That's a slippery slope and that makes me uncomfortable because he wasn't actually convicted of those crimes. And that's one step away from kind of what happened to Robert Abel. It's like a half a step away. Exactly. I, you know, I think we've, we've run into this before, like in other in other true crime things that we reviewed, where it's like the citizen sleuths and sort of the certainty that you can get about certain things. Yep. And without really a perspective on, you know, is it possible that I'm wrong? Is it, you know, what are the effects of my doing this on somebody who may or may not be innocent of this perfect thing? Like, it's hard to be real sympathetic to Hedrick because the guy, even if he just only did the things that we know about from the documentary, like he did a lot of damage to people. This stuff makes me uncomfortable. 
as I've said before, again, I mean, even with something that's this close, it's just like, look, man, you've got an example of this, of what goes wrong when you feel like you know something, but you don't. Can you not like reapply that lesson? Yeah. So I, yeah, it's a little bit, it, it makes me uncomfortable. How do you feel about that seeing Tim out there doing that yet again? Yeah, I was, um, I was a little uncomfortable. You're right, because I think we know that he has played a role, but we can't necessarily prove that or it hasn't been proven yet. I mean, the whole idea that he had to be let out, it was like a mandatory release in Texas of all places was just baffling. And uh, even for the things we know he did, even for the things we know, it's um, my understanding. And I'm probably getting this completely wrong. But my understanding is that the law is something about you factor in the time from like when the offense occurred and all the calendar years that have happened since then. And you somehow mix it with your time off or good behavior stuff. And that comes out to some date. And it sounds weirdly progressive, but in the worst kind of way. I don't know. Uh, I'd love to see who that's applied to and who that isn't applied to. Yeah. Well, apparently it's it's supposed to be applied to everybody. Because mm. even if you're looking at a guy that you're pretty sure killed four people, that you just can't go out there and, and make that assertion without proof. Can I just ask you a quick question before sure. we go? Isn't it weird that like piece of footage they have of him was from a random local news profile of his Halloween decoration? <laughs> or Christmas or what was it? Yeah. It's very strange. Yeah. Well, you just yeah, never Halloween, know. It was you graves. Some... Yeah. Oh, There's my God. a bunch God. of graves in front of his house. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. This is my favorite shovel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know, should they check out Crime Scene, the Texas killing field on Netflix? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for this documentary? So I didn't like the first half of this documentary. I did like the final episode. So I'm going to go thumbs sideways. I, I think for me, I just felt like, it was just a pretty straightforward documentary in the beginning. And I think that there might have been a more interesting way to tell the story. But at the same time, it's an interesting case. And I was interested in the case. I just felt like the first half to me just felt a little bit flat. But that final episode had a very different tone and experience as I watched it, um, where we we had, you know, the wrap up and we had some really interesting and, and very compelling 
stories from some of the victims in in this case. So I'm going thumb sideways. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But I think that, you know, it's three episodes. It's an interesting case. And for me, the final episode sort of makes up for the first two. Toby Ball. Yeah, I'm going to give it a mild thumbs up. Uh, As I've said before, I think that, you know, how do you make a good true crime documentary series? I mean, I think that the model's out there. I think this follows it. It, There's nothing fancy about it. There's nothing that stands out about the way it was made, which means it sort of hinges on the story itself and and the voices they have to tell it. I'm not a big serial killer like that's not something I, I I'm not a big serial killer. That's clear. I'm not a big serial killer <laughs> show oh, uh, let's person. Hope not, Don't Toby. sell yourself short, Toby. You're, you're not a, a big, big serial killer. You're not a yeah. big fan of serial killer media. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't I don't like watching things about about serial killers. We've we've seen some good ones that usually have something else going on to make them compelling. This one I didn't kind of feel like it did. But again, I mean, it's it's competently made. It's it's I think it's the right length, and some of the interviews are are, are interesting. I wish they'd gotten into sort of the the main figure they have. I wish they sort of explored him a little bit more because he seemed more complex than they were willing to. Kind of, uh, you know, they weren't willing to delve into it. So anyway, uh, mild thumbs up. Could have been better, but it, it was fine. Kevin Flynn. I'm also mild thumbs up. I thought of the three seasons of crime scene, this was the best one. You know, and for the problems that I think the story has, it's not the fault of the documentarians or really the people that they interview. It just it seems to have a certain unfinished feel to the crimes. So it leaves a bit of an unfinished feel to the documentary. But they bring us up close to some really compelling People who were touched by these killings, and you know, anytime you get to see uh, Skip Hollinsworth, uh, Toby's BFF, yeah, Toby's BFF. Toby doesn't have uh, serial killers that he loves, but he does have a photo of uh, of Skip hung up on his uh, the wall of his. We got to get Skip inside of our like CWO circle. We got we we're collecting all the cards. We got now we got Gilbert. Gilbert King, yeah. we have to get Skip Hollinsworth. Yeah. I'll get Skip. I'll try and get him for the deep dive, maybe. Yeah, yeah get him for the deep. Then we can get sign him up for Patreon. Yeah, we want that oh, yeah. sweet <laughs> Texas <laughs> monthly money. We need that five <laughs> we bucks, need six man. Six bucks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm just. How about I just leave it there? It's a. It's a thumbs up. Yeah, I like this. I think more than you guys did. I'm a fan of a straight true crime documentary series, and I thought this was a good one. Well done. I thought it was. Uh, I mean, it's a story I didn't know anything about. I thought it was beautifully shot, tightly edited. It had a strong cautionary tale woven throughout it, which I liked. Strong central characters, an interesting FBI agent who's active still, who's in it, mm-hmm. which is unusual. Usually they have like a retired FBI guy, but we have like an active guy on the case who's about to retire who's like, Jesus fucking Christ, help me solve this thing. And granted, (laughs) he did say some hackneyed, like typical law enforcement things, but they all say those things, Toby. Don't look at me like that. They all say those things. But the fact that he's still on the case and he's just like, God forbid, like I'm going to retire in like eight weeks. Please help me solve this thing. Um, I don't know. I really liked it. I thought it was well put together. And I do think that there was like an, an awareness of the people making this film and the director in particular that like there's imperfection 
with some of the characters, Tim Miller in particular, that needed to be examined. And I saw that when I was watching it and I enjoyed it for that reason. And I liked the comparison between the way victims were treated when they went missing. And there was something to be looked at there, too. So I don't know. I really like the series. I'm going to give it a thumbs up. All right. That's going to do for us. Before we go, Laura Bricker. Do we have a cat of the week this week? Just for you this week, Rebecca, we have a dog. Thank goodness. It's my favorite kind of animal. (laughs) Uh, This comes from Erin Kelly. And Erin's dog is Stella. Border Collie is 15 and a half years old and still kicking it. Yeah. She moved with me to California from Ohio. She's traveled to 27 states in her life. When she was younger, this is my favorite part, and could still hear she knew the individual names of 30 to 40 toys. I could put them all in a pile, tell her to get a specific toy by name, and she'd pull it out. Ooh. So now Stella has some arthritis, and so she rides around in a little, like, it says paw hut. It's like a little doggy uh, stroller, Aww. which she goes out for walks on. It's adorable. But, I mean, I would like Stella on my team of investigators, especially if we could somehow teach Stella to sign, to fetch those uh, 30 to 40 toys. That's pretty amazing. Like I tried to teach my cats one time to push buttons to ask for things yep. and that just failed miserably. Those so. buttons, man, they're so funny. I feel like if I came into Briscoe, he would just be like, hi, 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 <laughs> hi. Yeah. He's so dumb. He's so dumb. There is this one cat that I follow, Steve B, the daily Steve B on Instagram. And he can do all sorts, but he's, he's his owners. He calls the ladies like the lady, the lady, the lady, snuggles, the lady, snuggles. <laughs> <laughs> Those buttons are wild. Briscoe would just be like, hi, 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 no hi. good. All right. Laura Bricker, folks want to reach out to you on social media and share their animals. Of course, it could be any kind of animal to be cat of the week. How can they reach you there? They can find me at Laura Bricker. And yes, send me some crazy animals. No snakes. I take no snakes, but I will take all other animals. Of course, you can also email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com. Toby Ball, folks want to reach out to you on social media. How can they find you? At Toby Ball and H. Kevin Flynn, how can you be found? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram or other places where I'm not posting, but I've grabbed handles and I'll probably never post, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. Grinder. <laughs> you can also follow the show at Crime Writers On. I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. Just go to our regular Facebook page, hit join the group. We'll probably let you in. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. You've got the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast, Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker Podcast, and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club Podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the exquisite Olivia Burdett. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where wearing a cowboy hat is a sure sign of trouble. Mm -hmm. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We will catch you later. Later. Do you guys want to have a guess about how old Payne Lindsay is? 31. That's what what Kevin said. That's what Kevin said. He's 35. I, wait, I think I saw that on social media this week. <laughs> He's the exact right age. But you just decided to guess something else. Mm. He's the mm. exact right age to be my younger brother if my mom had a very regretful baby when I was a sophomore in high school. Oh. Unlike you being the regretful baby. Or he's exactly the right age to be my younger brother if I had a baby when I was a sophomore in high school. <laughs> 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 
Oh my. <laughs> okay. Uh, you guys ready to record our second Trey, episode? He could be your son. Yes, he could. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. <laughs> 